Coming up on Studios America, Justin Haskins is here with some thoughts on RFK Jr. Joe Biden's polls continue to crater, but can he go lower? Oh, oh yes, he can always go lower. And we'll break down the craziest moments from last night's heated GOP debate. We'll get to it in just a minute, but first let me tell you about Fox and Odin Craft American Whiskey. Got uh, my bottle right here. Uh, here we go. There we go, Fox and Odin. I mean, it's a beautiful bottle, isn't it? Now, with Thanksgiving over and Christmas right around the corner, why not take some time, sit back in your favorite chair, and, and you know use a little of the relaxation that you have earned over the year with Fox and Odin uh, Craft American Whiskey. You know. It's funny because we these bottles are so nice. Great presents for anyone in your life that enjoys a good whiskey. In this holiday season, you can use these perfectly blended spirits and let them complement whatever view you have, whether you're on a ski slope vacation, you got a beautiful Christmas tree in front of you, or I don't know, you got the backyard and your kids' toys all over it. Whatever it is, however you celebrate, enjoy it to the fullest with double gold award-winning Fox and Odin Craft American Whiskey. Taste the spirit of the holidays today. You can buy online and ship it to your door or anyone you gotta, you gotta buy a present for. It's a great gift. Uh, foxandodin.com, foxandoden.com. Use the promo code STU and get 30% off, plus free shipping on all orders. foxandodin.com, please drink responsibly. STU does America. Well, lots to talk about today. We start by doing the fourth GOP debate. It was an interesting one. I thought it was the best one. Uh, Glenn pointed this out this morning. I think it's true. Probably the big winner from the debate last night may have been Megyn Kelly, who I thought was excellent, as well as uh, Ileana Johnson, Elizabeth Vargas. I thought they did a good job. I thought it was the best moderated debate. I thought it got to the most. It still had some spice to it, a little back and forth, which was, was positive, but they still got to some real substance as well. Look, in an alternate world where Donald Trump isn't winning by 20 or 30 points, uh, the, this is a kind of a normal, interesting campaign. Uh, uh, so far, it's been a weird campaign, frankly. It's been anything but normal. But let's go through some of it. Insults fly as Haley's rise make her the target at the U.S. Republican debate. That was one of the first things that I noticed was immediately Haley was on the defensive and she kind of remained on the defensive all night. We'll get into some of those moments. Uh, if you're looking at speaking time. No surprise again, Vivek Ramaswamy somehow dominates every single one of these. 22 minutes, 36 seconds. Ron DeSantis was at 21 minutes, 8 seconds. Nikki Haley, 17 minutes, 28 seconds. And Chris Christie, no surprise, last place, 16 minutes and 52 seconds. But I guess the, the prominent and maybe top question of everyone thinking about watching this debate is, should I bother? I mean, the polls are saying one thing. What should I do? Megan started out uh, the debate with a question to Ron DeSantis basically about that. Does this thing even matter? Watch. Is it fair to say, as Senator Tim Scott did when he dropped out, that voters are telling you not no, but not now? So we have a great uh, idea in America that the voters actually make these decisions, not pundits or pollsters. Uh, I'm sick of hearing about these polls because I remember those polls in November of 2022. They said there was going to be a big red wave. It was going to be monumental. And that crashed and burned. The one place it didn't crash and burn was in the state of Florida. They weren't predicting to, uh, that I would win the way I did, and I won the greatest Republican victory in the history of the state of Florida. 
I'm looking forward to, to Iowa and New Hampshire. The voters are going to be able to speak, and we're going to earn this nomination. And here's what we need. Uh, I am sick of Republicans who are not willing to stand up and fight back against what the left is doing to this country. You've got to be willing to stand strong, and you've got to be willing to beat these people. I'm right, the only one. So there you go, Ron DeSantis. Uh, he points out and goes through his record there, which was very, very good, by the way. I thought DeSantis did a really good job overall. He was He's a solid candidate. You know, some people will say he's not the flashiest guy, and that might be true at some level, but I think he'd be a pretty good president. And he certainly has shown that, I think, in the debates. I thought he did very well. And one of his obvious plans was to go after Nikki Haley hard and pretty much right away. Uh, They talked about the transgender issue, obviously a big issue for Republican voters, uh, maybe the biggest culture war issue of our time. And here's how that went. He didn't respond to the criticism. It wasn't about the parents' rights and education bill. It was about prohibiting sex change operations on minors. They do puberty blockers. These are irreversible. Talk to Chloe Cole. She went through this. Now she's an adult. She's warning against it. She may never be able to have kids again. That is what Nikki Haley opposed. She said the law shouldn't get involved in that. And I just ask you, if you're somebody that's going to be the president of the United States and you can't stand up against child abuse, how are you going to be able to stand up for anything? That That is the truth. We have it it on video. I said that I said that if you have to be 18 to get a tattoo, you should have to be 18 to have anything done to change your gender. You said the law should stay out of it. I mean, look, Nikki gets in trouble with this here and there. And it's a it's a problem because she kind of blurts out things in interviews and then needs to backtrack them. She did say she didn't want the law to get involved. She did say that. And I just I don't understand that if you are a person who thinks that this is a really bad thing for children. I mean, like we're not talking about adults here. Adults want to carve themselves up. I guess they can do it. But for kids, they don't have the capacity to make those decisions at these ages. And just because you're I mean, there's a long exchange maybe we'll get into with Chris Christie on this as well. It's not a parental rights issue when you're talking about potentially carving up your child. That's you don't have the rights to do whatever you want. Um, Another time this kind of happened with Nikki Haley was another statement she had made recently about anonymous users on the Internet. She seemed to be completely opposed to them. And both Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis called her out on that. Can you please speak to the, the requirement that you said that every anonymous internet user needs to out themselves. They're both hitting you on it. I would be happy to, and I love all the attention, fellas. Thank you for that. I'll say this. What I said was that social media companies need to show us their algorithms. I also said there are millions of bots on social media right now. They're foreign, they're Chinese, they're Iranian. I will always fight for freedom of speech for Americans. We do not need freedom of speech for Russians and Iranians and Hamas. We need social media companies to go and fight back on all of these bots that are happening. That's what I said. As a mom... As a mom, do I think that social media would be more civil if we went and had people's names sure, next she said to that? This too. Yes, I do think that because I think we've got too much cyberbullying. I think we've got child pornography and all of those things. But having said that, I never said government should go and require anyone's name. That's names. false. She said, I, said, I want your name. She As absolutely president of the United said States, her first day in office, she said, one of the first things I'm going to do I said we were going to get the millions of bots. Okay, see, that's where she, she falls down because she did say those other things. She said a bunch of stuff. She said that she thought it would be better and more civil. She did say uh, that it would, the pro- a big problem was bots. But she also said, I want your name. It's going to be the first thing I do when I get into office. 
And she talked about every user uh, with the government being involved. Every user on the Internet should be um, out in the open. Now, you, you see how many people get fired when they're anonymous. They track them down. They dox them. They do all these things. Putting your first name and last name out there as a conservative Internet user is basically like putting a suicide vest on yourself and, and, and just setting it off in your backyard. Not a good idea. You're, probably your career is going to be over. Uh, and again, I don't... This is the thing with Haley, and I don't, I'm not a Nikki Haley hater. I know a lot of people don't really don't like her. I'm not, I don't feel that way about her. I just feel like she gets herself into these problems and she tries to talk herself out of it by just ignoring what she said. She would be better served to just not say it in the first place. Does she actually believe the government should have every name? I don't even know. I, I don't know. I feel like in the first interview, she felt like it was the right thing to say, so she said it. Now she's in front of the conservative audience here, and she feels like maybe the opposite is the right thing to say, and she says that. That's not a great, uh, not a great prospect for a, an ongoing campaign. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy made a lot of noise, as he always does, and he was called out by um, by Megyn Kelly. Really went through something we've talked about often on this show, where it seems like there's a new approach every single debate for Ramaswamy. Like he's rethought what he did last time, and he's going to reverse it. Uh, she kind of went through and cataloged all of that and asked him about unifying the party. Mr. Ramaswamy. For months, you campaigned as a unifier. Then you stood up at the first debate and attacked all of your competitors as bought and paid for. The second debate, you changed your tune, saying, these are good people on this stage, admitting you can come across as a bit of a know-it-all and rejecting the practice of personal insults. By debate number three, you called Nikki Haley corrupt, accused Ron DeSantis of wearing high heels, and told Ambassador Haley she should keep a closer eye on her daughter. Can you see how this has led some to conclude you are not, in fact, a unifier and to question your authenticity? Megan, I think there's a time and place for everything. We need somebody in the White House who absolutely is going to be a fighter when it counts. And I did say that there were some good people on that stage in that third debate. Doug Burgum was on that stage at that time. And I'll, I'll say that jokingly. Ron DeSantis is a good person, too. <laughs> I... He's really good at speaking. He gets into these modes where he has these predetermined uh, responses, and those, to me, fall flat a lot. Like, he held up a sign at one point, Nikki Haley equals corruption or something. It was a little, I, he gets a little forced at times. Although, generally speaking, I think he has some good things to say. Chris Christie was there as well, obviously. I think a lot of people hoped he wasn't going to be there. He's not really adding a lot, although he's pretty decent at, at these debates. He's not a bad debater. Uh, he was going after Vivek, and, a, and they just started really screaming at each other at one point. Let me just say something here. You know, his reasonable peace deal in Ukraine, he made it clear. Give them all the land they've already stolen. Promise Putin you'll never put Ukraine in Russia. And then trust Putin not to have a relationship with China. Let me tell you something. That's no that's reasonable. Not that's, that's not my deal. That's Yes, Chris. it's exactly what I'll, you said. I'll you my do deal this too. at every debate. I'll just, I'll you exactly say what no, I'll no, describe. don't interrupt me. I didn't interrupt you. Okay? You tell say this. You, you do this. At, you go do this at every debate. You go out on the stump and you say something. All of us see it on video. We confront you on the debate stage. You say you didn't say it, and then you back away. And I want to say what? No, I'm not done yet. Well, this is now look. This is nonsense. This is the fourth debate, the fourth debate that you would be voted in the first 20 minutes as the most obnoxious blowhard in America. So shut up for a while. I mean, Chris Christie would certainly be competitive in that race, I think, but uh, a lot of people don't like Vivek as well. And it became a lot of the fireworks back and forth 
A little bit strange. Um, I want to go next, if we could, to Chris Christie again, Chris Christie on the kids and transgender surgeries, because, you know, he really goes into this. And, and this was a moment that was, man, when when Megyn Kelly started lining up for this line of questioning and winding up for it, I started actually getting like sweats worrying uh, just like this is going to be ugly because she this is her issue she knows this stuff better than anybody and she just came out and just leveled chris christie on this topic watch how is it that you think a parent should be able to okay these surgeries never mind the sterilization of a child and aren't you way too out of step on this issue to be the republican nominee no i'm not because, because Republicans believe in less government, not more, in less involvement with government, not more in government involvement in people's lives. And you know what, Megan? I trust parents. And we're out there saying that we should empower parents in education. We should empower parents to make more decisions about where their kids go to school. I agree. We should empower parents to be teaching the values that they believe in in their homes without the government telling them what those values should be. And yet, we want to take other parental rights away. I'm sorry. As a father of four, I believe there is no one who loves my children more than me. There's no one who loves my children more than my wife. There's no one who cares more about their success and health in life than we do. Now, look, we could do a whole show just on that clip. The second follow-up clip was brutal. <clears throat> but... Like, I believe in parental rights. We fight for it all the time. And in um, almost all circumstances, I'm going to side with a parent. But there are exceptions to this, right? We don't let kids uh, at, you know, uh, nine years old go into strip clubs. That's, it's illegal. We don't let kids at nine years old uh, drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes. That's illegal. That's just part of our society. You might like not like those rules. Maybe you're a nine-year-old, you're watching it. You want to get hammered. You, you want to just, you've been dying to vape or whatever. But like we have laws against those things like that or not. And when you're talking, and honestly, I think it's much more important on the transgender situation. When you're talking about a permanent change as opposed to uh, even a drink, it's much worse to cut off body parts than it is for what kid to smoke one cigarette as bad as cigarette smoking is. And of course, Chris Christie would be first in line to make sure those laws on cigarettes and strip clubs and alcohol exist. There's a million different examples. The real devastation here happened in the follow-up question. Um, I don't think we'll have time to play it today, but Megan um, followed up after he went on this rant of parental rights, which she absolutely knew was coming. She knew how he was going to answer this question. She followed up and said, then why, as governor, did you implement rules that allowed teachers and schools to hide gendered transitions by uh, by children at school, respect their pronouns, respect their names, and not tell the parents about it. I mean, this was a two-part punch, a, a left-right combo that uh, devastated Christie. Uh, it was ugly. It was ugly. Um, let me give you, how much do we have? Two minutes left. Let me give you this. This is uh, DeSantis blasting universities and student loans. This is an interesting policy that he's described and talked about a little bit, but it's a really innovative approach. I think this is something conservatives should look to embrace. 
But you know, another thing that's burdening young people are these student loans. Now, I don't support having a truck driver having to pay a student loan for someone that got a degree in gender studies. That is wrong. We should not have taxpayers do that. What I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to get to the root cause of the problem. These student loans are going to be backed by the universities because they need to have an incentive to produce gainful employment for people. They should not be indulging in ideological studies. They should be focusing on things that work. And we're going to take some of this money and we're to move it to actual vocational training. In Florida, we doubled apprenticeships. We have more truck drivers. These are in-demand skills. Don't let anybody tell you that the only way you can be successful is through a four-year brick and ivy degree. That's one way you can be. It's not the only way. And we're going to fix that problem in the United States of America. You know, it's an interesting thought. Uh, you know, look, I would prefer the money just not be going to all these programs. People should be responsible for their own costs of, uh, of living, uh, generally speaking. Um, but when he talks about the universities being on the hook for some or maybe all of this money, it, think about this from the university's perspectives. Right now, they get to charge people a fortune, even though they have billions of dollars in endowments. They charge people a fortune, a portion, uh, a fortune to bring them in to school. They get to go to school on uh, on basically our dime. We're the ones backing these loans, and they pay all this money to the universities. And then they don't even give them a, 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 an education that can get them anywhere, right? They can't earn the money to pay the loans back. What happens to the universities? Do they suffer under that circumstance? No. They wind up just getting all the money from you, from the government. The idea where he backs this up and changes it around and says, hey, wait a minute. What if we put the universities on, on, uh, on the hook for this? If the people can pay the loans back, great. But if they can't pay the loan back, then the university has to supplement that money, not the American taxpayer. That is the way it should go. Look, the government shouldn't be in this business at all. We should have nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. We shouldn't have anything to do with uh, university education, uh, in my view. Uh, but we, we are in that uh, business, unfortunately, now. A good way to solve this is at least put, the, put, the, put some of the onus on these universities to say, this person's actually a good risk. This person wants to come in and talk about gender studies or something. They're a bad risk. And make some of those determinations. It would help the universities get better, and it would certainly help our bottom line. This is, uh, it was, although overall, I would say a good debate. I think you know, DeSantis did very well. Haley, I thought, was not as strong, though I've thought that before. She's done well in the polls. It was an interesting back and forth, and I think the best debate we have had so far. So good job by Megyn Kelly and, and her other moderators. That was a, I thought that was a solid effort. Um, let me talk about another candidate running as an independent, RFK Jr. We're going to talk about him and where he stands with Justin Haskins next. Winter is here, and if you're having trouble finding the perfect temperature for sleeping, you're not alone, you, but you do need silver-infused bed sheets by Miracle Made that were inspired by NASA. Uh, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. Miracle Made sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them clean and fresh for you. Miracle Made sheets are luxuriously comfortable as well. So you get the nice soft sheets, those perfect sheets when you climb into bed, and they keep you cool or right, right over the temperature you want to be all, all night long. And they have, I mean, they're way less than the big time luxury brands you've heard of. So Miracle Made sheets are a great gift as well. And that's something you should definitely take them up on. Whether it's your spouse, your friends, I mean, your spouse, you want to talk about a perfect gift. This is it. 
You get miracle-made sheets, you buy them for your wife, then where's she going to put them? On your bed. This is like a hack of the system here, okay? Buy the miracle-made sheets, put them, you're going to get put them on your bed, you're going to get the benefits, and you get credit for an awesome present. This is a hack of the system. Try miracle.com slash stew. Try miracle.com slash stew. Try these sheets today. You'll save 40%. Plus, if you use the promo code stew at checkout, you get three free towels and an additional 20% off. Try miracle.com slash stew. Miracle made bed sheets. Promo code is stew. I'm joined now by Justin Haskins. He's the Socialism Research Center Director at the Heartland Institute and co-author of a book you may have heard of, Dark Future, Uncovering the Great Reset's Terrifying Next Phase. He has a new op-ed out on TheBlaze.com as well. Very busy guy. Very busy guy. It's called Don't Be Fooled. RFK Jr. is no conservative. Justin, thanks for coming back on the program. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I'm very happy that you wrote this article because I think this is something conservatives... (laughs) need to understand. And, and, you know, I don't know what the poll, the effects of him being an independent candidate are going to be. We've seen kind of evidence in both directions on this. But your, your, your column is really just about his policy prescriptions. And, you know, he's known, obviously, as a Democrat. He's had left-wing positions his whole life. But these aren't ancient things you're talking about. Um, kind of give us a view of you know, where you think the polls might go when we come to election time and, and why you decided to write this column. Yeah. So the reason I decided to write this column is because nothing frustrates me more than libertarian and conservative people talking about RFK Jr. as though he is some kind of viable option. Like, well, you know, you don't have to vote for the Republican. You could vote for this guy and he's going to somehow be even remotely conservative, limited government. There's no chance of that whatsoever. (laughs) None. There's zero percent chance. And the guy has a long track record of it. And that was why I wanted to put it all down on paper so that people could see for themselves, you know. And so just for example, just one thing, for example, is uh, he is a big supporter of a federal $15 an hour minimum wage right? $15 minimum. That was a big thing for Bernie Sanders for a long time. AOC, the socialist wing, I think they're up to like $10,000 an hour (laughs) now, but for a while it was $15, right? He wants to expand the size of unions. He wants laws that help unions expand in their power. He wants more regulations on businesses. He wants to cut defense spending by a ton, not to lower the deficit, but so that we can spend more money on bigger welfare programs like a massive free child care program, federal child care program. He wants to break up big corporations, break up gigantic banks. He wants to he, he said that one of the reasons he wants to break them up is partially so that we can do a better job of bailing out homeowners and debtors and business owners, small business owners, in the event of another crisis. So he's for bailouts, just not of the big giant corporation, but for everybody else. He's for he's for bailouts. He wants a 3% cap on mortgages across the country so that for the vast majority of families. So when you go to get a, a mortgage, the most they can charge you is 3%. That's not price fixing, actually. It's a gigantic subsidy program. The government's going to pay for the additional cost. Well, as we've seen with um, the, the the college education, the price of tuition, things like that, when the government has started to get involved in covering tuition costs, tuition skyrockets. Well, that's what would happen if, if all of a sudden every mortgage company of America knew that the first 3% 
was going to be covered by the, the or three percent is all that the consumer would have to pay, and the rest is going to be picked up by the government. They're just going to dramatically increase the cost of getting mortgages, and taxpayers are going to pay the bill. He wants to jail climate deniers. He wrote a whole op-ed about jailing climate deniers. He wants to give the corporate death penalty to anybody that has has promoted what he calls climate change misinformation. He specifically listed like 20 different think tanks, including some of the largest think tanks on the right, saying they should all shut down. And anyone who's taken money from the Koch brothers, they should all shut down too. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. There's nothing about him that is remotely limited government. There just isn't. It really is fascinating that it's caught on, though. I mean, and it's funny, you mentioned him wanting to shut down right-wing think tanks, including your employer, by the way. Um, Yes, that's right. it's, It's fascinating to see that because... Really, I think one of the main reasons why there's some affinity on the right for him is that he's been a victim of government censorship and targeting on censorship. And, uh, you know, both of us would agree, despite his opinions being, you know, stupid on a lot of things, in my view, um, he shouldn't be censored. And none of us are for that. But like just because he was a victim of censorship doesn't mean he's anti-censorship. That's a really important point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's for censoring the, the, the bad guys. The bad guys, according to him, right, which a lot of us would be considered those bad guys. So it's not like he's for free speech. He's not. He's he's for and especially on climate change. He he was a big time environmental lawyer for a long, long time, worked for a lot of radical left wing groups, got massive amounts of money from that. Uh, trading on his name, Kennedy, and all of that stuff. And he has said repeatedly, he talks about oil companies, he talks about other fossil fuel companies, anyone who who has given money, like the Koch brothers and all of this, to political causes related to protecting fossil fuels because it's cheap and reliable form of energy, about closing them down, shutting them down, silencing them because it's because they're spreading disinformation. So when it comes to vaccines, for example, He doesn't want that because he thinks the establishment is wrong about vaccines. But when it comes to climate change, he thinks that's perfectly fine because he believes the establishment is right on that. And so it's not a free he's not a free speech guy. He's a more I I would say he's more in that vein than certain people in the Democratic Party. But he's certainly in no way like a libertarian or a conservative or anything even remotely close to that. Yeah. And the only reason he's uh, he's uh, shows occasional um, uh, efforts at being anti-censorship is because some of his views are unpopular on the left. Right. And so when they censor it, he doesn't like it. But like that's been whenever he aligns with the left, he's more than happy to censor. You bring up in your column a, a point um, that I have also brought up on the show and, and, and bored the audience. Honestly, I've, I've said it so many times, <laughs> which is when he actually called uh, for uh, climate deniers traitors. He uh, specifically and over and over again said they should be traded, uh, treated like traitors. Now, of course, you look at the Constitution. It's quite clear what should happen to traitors in the Constitution. The death penalty is a big option there. And then he specifically cited uh, two people uh, that were violating this, which were Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck. And it's like, how on earth are we at a point where this guy who is on like legitimately been more outwardly extreme than almost any figure 
on the left when it comes to climate. I mean, you're not going to hear a lot of times where mainstream Democrats are going to say, hey, we should kill all the people on the other side of this argument. He's been there over and over again. And the right's like, ah, actually, I, I kind of like his vaccine mandate policy, so he might be a good president. I mean, come on. This, there has to be some line for people. Yeah, I think it's the 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 right has it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Stockholm syndrome or something that the <laughs> the right has where it's like they've been treated badly for so long by everyone who's been labeled left wing that when someone on the left especially a notable person starts saying something even remotely positive about people on the right or defends even a tiny part of the sort of libertarian or conservative platform, they suddenly become like, well, they're the good guys, you know, when in reality, it doesn't change the fact that they have all these other positions that we don't agree with. Now, we can agree on one issue or two issues or three issues or whatever, but that and that's not a problem. I have no problem with saying RFK is right about whatever it is. Maybe we spend uh, too much. Maybe the, the government spying on people. He doesn't like that. I, th I think that's bad, too. OK, so we agree on that. But that doesn't mean he's a viable option as like as like a, a conservative or Republican candidate. And he has deliberately gone out of his way to confuse people, I think, because he knows he's drawing a significant portion of his support running for president. Some of these polls have met over 20 percent nationally when there's only three people in the race and Trump and Biden are the other two people. Uh, he knows he's drawing a lot of Republicans. And so he has to say things that Republicans want to hear. And the best example of that and why I think he is just like a total fraud, in addition to being like a crazy progressive, he's a total fraud, was there was an incredible case. And I think I, I put it in the article. There was this incredible case in August where he was this past August, where he was um, asked by an NBC reporter at an event about a 15 week federal abortion ban. And it was presented to him like a softball question. This is an NBC reporter talking to a Democrat Party candidate for president saying, what do you think of this? And he out of nowhere just totally shocked everyone and said, oh, I'm for it. I'm for it. 15 week ban. And the reporter said, really, I'm kind of surprised by that. Something to that effect. And then he then gave a justification for it. He said, well, the state has an interest in children once they reach the age of uh, once they're developed enough that you could say that this is a human being like they've now the state can protect them. He made an argument like that within 24 hours. He got massive backlash from Democrats. Obviously, he's still running at that time as a Democratic Party candidate. Um, and then within 24 hours, his campaign released a new statement saying that, oh, no, no, actually, he misunderstood the question. And we don't favor any bans on abortion. Abortion can be at any time. So within 24 hours, he he completely switched. He will say anything that he has to say to become a viable op op candidate in this race. And it's working so far. And again, that's why. I'm so frustrated by it. And that's why I wrote the piece, because it's just so aggravating to see this. It really is amazing. Now, I don't think he's going to get 24 percent or anything like that when it comes to the yeah. actual election. I think, you know, people generally come home and it's very possible that he hurts, um, uh, you know, Biden more than he hurts Trump or whoever the DeSantis, whoever the nominee is on the on the right. But there is a risk, I think, you know, he's done a, a big kiss ass job on the right for the past year or so. Um, and that's where his bread is buttered right now. He's trying to get conservative voters out there. You, you point out his own description to him. I want to read it here real quick. This is RFK Jr.'s own 
description of himself. This is what he said. If you go down the checklist of all the things that my father believed in, our Robert Kennedy, my uncle John Kennedy believed in, I would check every one of those boxes. This is his quote. They, you know, were classic progressive liberal Democratic candidates. I mean, he's calling himself a liberal progressive Democratic candidate. Makes a lot of sense. He ran in the Democratic primary. But like to get conservative report, uh, support for something like that really is it's bonkers, honestly. Yeah. Oh, it's completely crazy. The one thing, the one caveat we have to make is that that quote comes from a C-SPAN interview that he did way, 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 way back in September of this year. So, oh. you know, oh, well, how a lot old were can you? happen. <laughs> you should have included that in the column. I, I mean, know. <laughs> I know it's, it's been weeks. September. It's been, it's been weeks. Um, let me hit you with a couple of other ones because you go through his economic policies. Um, you go through his how he wants to expand government. You go through his global warming statements. A few, I think there's a few additional here, too, that we should hit on. Affirmative action. He's a for affirmative action, opposes uh, that, uh, the, the ruling in the Supreme Court. Um, he, uh, he has these two sort of like brand new viewpoints, like all of a sudden he's Mr. Tough on the border. And who believes this? This guy has been on the other side of this issue his entire life. He's, you know, seemingly okay with Bitcoin, but again, I think that makes more sense to, to how he's getting his funding these days because he's had to he's been targeted by some of these funding institutions. But the last one I'll bring up, and it, this was sort of ignored when it happened, it was only recently that he finally denounced his relationship with Louis Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam uh, guy, who the incredible anti-Semite. He had a brush with the anti-Semitism too in a meeting with reporters recently. There's something there too. I mean, look. It feels like the amount of time needed to denounce Louis Farrakhan should be one or second or less. Like, that's the amount of time you should need. It took this man decades to do this, and he just did it a couple of years ago. It's just there's too many warning signs here, Justin. Give me the final word. Yeah, it, way too many warning signs, way too many warning signs to believe that this guy is anything other than what his actions have shown for the past two decades. When you write an article titled Jailing Climate Deniers, you probably shouldn't be getting votes from people who would be considered climate <laughs> deniers. This <laughs> is my I mean, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just saying. Mm. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, it's a very, very bizarre. Justin Haskins, if you haven't already, be sure to pick up and read Dark Future and covering the Great Reset's terrifying next phase, which, by the way, tons and tons of stuff in that terrifying next phase are endorsed by RFK Jr. You go through some of the details in the column. You need to read that. The op-ed is over at theblaze.com. Don't be fooled. RFK Jr. is no conservative. Justin, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks, Stu. See, see if uh, Justin can hold for one second. I have a question for him off the air. Let me talk to you about realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, buying and selling homes isn't fun. It's a lot of work. So, you know, if you need an exceptional real estate agent uh, to go into one of these things, it's just, it makes a lot of sense, right? You need to take the right steps before you go through this process because if you get burned during a real estate transaction, it can be a catastrophe. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Glenn started this company years ago because he saw what it was like to go through these types of transactions. And uh, and if they go wrong, oh my gosh, what what a hassle. Uh, the name kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a free service to you, by the way. So no matter whether you're buying or selling a home, you're not paying a dime. It's just realestateagentsitrust.com, the best place to go to find that agent you need. Uh, the name says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com.
Ah, uh, yes, another new low for Joe Biden. I mean, it's been like a day or two, so we have to have the segment yet again. Biden's job approval has dropped since the start of the year as economic concerns remain prevalent. That is the headline from CNN poll, which they they kind of made it as boring as possible. But these numbers are catastrophic. Uh, it's catastrophic. Um, his approval rating is now down to 37 percent with 63 percent disapproving. I mean, that is a horrific number going into an election. Uh, you'd think this guy would be under a serious primary challenge and instead they're just handing him the election and canceling primaries all across the country. Uh, Biden's approval rate, uh, rating stands at 72% among Democrats. That's a terrible number in case you don't know. In fact, it's even worse among liberals, self-described liberals. The number is 63%. That is catastrophic for a Democratic presidential nominee. In fact, it gets even worse. Black Americans, 47%. That's not supposed to happen. The left has put a lot of time into making sure that number never looks like 47%. And the Latino Americans is even worse, 42%. And those younger than 45, 33% for a Democrat. That is unbelievable. 71% of Americans rate the economic conditions in the country as, as poor. 38% say they are very poor. This is not a bad poll for Joe Biden. This is a catastrophic disaster for Joe Biden. If he can't turn these things around, and look, he may be able to turn some of this around. We've talked about it before. A lot of, a lot of the weakness here, you see with young voters, 33%, well, a lot of them are saying, well, I don't like your Israel policy. I kind of like the Hamas side of this argument. They seem great. All they did was rape and decapitate a bunch of people. Why don't we like them instead? And that's a real valid other side, both sides type of issue and everything. Uh, but that, will they really oppose? It's not like they're like, oh, well, the economy's so bad, so I might go to Donald Trump. A lot of them are saying, well, I don't like Biden's pro-Israel stance, whatever magical kind of um, missed that is. And instead, they are not going to go to Donald Trump who has a more pro-Israel stance. So I don't know, maybe these numbers will come back to earth, but they are really, really, uh, really, really powerful. And sending a message to the Democrats, nominate somebody else. They're not going to do that. So we get to keep doing this segment over and over again. Joe Biden's new low. Hey, Joe, new low. Yeah, please, please, please go. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is uh, taking that advice. He's going to go. He's going to retire from Congress at the end of the year. He's stepping down. I don't know if it's really a retirement as much as he's just like leaving. Um, but he is uh, done. I'm sure he'll continue to work, but he's out. Now, what does this mean for McCarthy's, uh, what does McCarthy's um, resignation, uh, how does it affect the House GOP's slim majority? The answer it doesn't really much affect it. So the Democrats were, or Republicans were at 222. You need 218 for the majority. They lost two seats. Remember, it's not just McCarthy. It's also George Santos. So you think, oh, 218 now, or now they're on a 220. They only have a two-seat cushion. But actually, the majority number changes because they lost two. So in reality, they still have a three-seat cushion. So really, it didn't affect their majority all that much. It's still really important. And of course, uh, McCarthy, who is in a uh, in Orange County in a, in a red uh, you know, area, Probably going to be another Republican that wins there. But, hey, you never know. You don't want to take these risks necessarily. But maybe somebody will be better. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene came out, and this is uh, causing controversy. She said uh, she said on the shrinking GOP majority, she said, hope nobody dies. 
I mean, that's the least controversial statement that Marjorie Taylor Greene has ever made. She's hoping people don't die. Uh, even that's a controversial statement from MTG. I mean, come on. At, at some point, you got to step back and say, I hope we should all be able to say that. I hope nobody dies. I mean, that's a pretty basic point. I don't think that should cause that much controversy. But the truth is, we do hope that nobody dies. Uh, unfortunately, we all get old. We all get sick sometimes. Bad things happen. Uh, and the majority is very, very slim. Really bad things would happen if a couple people did step down before we had this election. But no word on any other retirements at this time. And I guess McCarthy's going to hold on till the end of the year. So we will uh, continue to watch that and see if he changes his mind. Let me tell you about Grip6. Grip6 is a small company in Utah that sells in the United States, but they also sell all over the world. But they source everything in their products. Not from all over the world. From right here in America. Why? Because Grip6 is a great company. They care about this country. They have great minimalist belts that don't jut out of your shirt. They have customizable laser-etched designs, logos and flags, and all the stuff that you might want on your belt buckle. Uh, they also have carbon fiber wallets that are really cool, and the carbon fiber belts as well, so you don't have the problem uh, at the airport when you're going through uh, all those, uh, you know, the security lines. Uh, they have uh, socks and wallets and all sorts of stuff, even great pickleball stuff. If you're a big pickleball player, you want to get a good racket, you want to get a good paddle, whatever they call it. What do they call it a racket or paddle? I don't even know. But I've been playing a little bit of the pickleball lately. It's fun. I, look, I know it's a trendy sport. It's freaking fun. They have great stuff there as well. Check it out. Grip6.com slash stew. Grip6.com slash stew. Use the code stew to save 15% now. It's grip, the number six, dot com slash stew. Get 15% off today with grip Six. Well, the Time Person of the Year came out and, you know, all these media organizations have these sites that are designated to certain cities. A lot of them do, like Axios has a Nashville um, area of their site or specific Nashville specific site. This is how they covered the Time Person of the Year. Nashville resident named Times Person of the Year. I mean, look, we criticize the media all the time, but that's completely true. They nailed that one. Uh, Taylor Swift is a national resident. So there you go. I, I actually I don't hate the I don't like Taylor Swift. I'm not a, not a fan uh, of her music, but um, it's not a terrible pick for person of the year. I mean, she, you have to look at the numbers with her. I mean, it's really been a monumental year, a year, a legendary year for an entertainer, really in all American history. Uh, again, not something that I necessarily get all that much, but uh, it's okay to recognize it. And I don't know who y'all seem to give it to. I mean, we've got wars going on. You've got other things, but I don't know. I don't think it was the worst pick of the world, even though I don't like her all that much. Um, she's an Eagles fan, which, uh, you know, might complicate her uh, Thanksgivings at this point. But uh, that's the one great thing about her. Um, let me also tell you, really, if you're going to give an entertainer time person of the year, I would argue it should be me. That's just my particular argument. Not for what I do on this show. Gosh, no. I mean, I just toss this in the trash bucket. But I'm talking about The Christmas Twist. Yes, the best Christmas movie of all time, Christmas Twist. And coming up on Christmas Day, yes, it's going to be 24 hours of The Christmas Twist, the greatest Christmas movie ever. Uh, you can sit, check it out on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash America. Let's say you've got people over, you're doing your thing, you're getting ready for the holidays, you're, you've got people over, you're opening presents. Flip this on. All day long, 24 hours of the Christmas twist available on youtube.com slash America on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas.
Look, we've all had those moments where we go into a fast food place and they don't give you the right order. It happens, right? You kind of can get a little upset sometimes. What you shouldn't do is what this lady did at Chipotle. I, that is legitimately terrible. I, I would argue for a very long uh, punishment, a very uh, severe punishment for that, because that just looked terrible. Plus, she wasted a whole burrito bowl. Um, but what really happened is the judge decided to give her an opportunity to lower her sentence. How? Woman sentenced to fast food job after hurling Chipotle bowl at workers. So now she's got to work at a fast food place to make amends.